0: Welcome to Two Steps Ahead Podcast, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, highlighting the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to. I'm Sonny, alongside somebody who is probably, I would say, should be appreciative of the fact that it's April, (laughs) that Santa is sequestered at the North Pole because she's on the naughty list because she recommended to me (laughs) a documentary, (laughs) and it's... Something that we're going to discuss a little bit about today and uh, and use it as a, a launching pad. It's Tiger Queen Tara.
1: Yes. Hey, guys. Welcome back. I'm Tara Hoke Shiro. How are you? Hey, happy birthday. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Today so, is my birthday.
0: Yeah, special day. She's 21 again. 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 And are you feeling any, uh, any wiser?
1: No, I... They say with
0: age comes wisdom. With age
1: comes wisdom. I feel just as wise today as I did yesterday. That's good. So, yes, I do.
0: Well, very good. Well, again, happy birthday. (laughs) And so we, uh, so, okay, Tiger King is a phenomena on uh, Netflix that people are watching. You were watching it. And I really wasn't interested in it at all because I've heard people tell me not to watch it because it's kind of, uh, in their opinion, it was a waste Mm -hmm. of their time. But you started watching it Mm -hmm. and sent me a message or two. And then I thought, Mm -hmm. well, maybe it's something that we can kind of utilize to talk about some things in life because, you know. It's a phenomenon that a lot of people are watching. If you haven't watched it, it's up to you. I'm not going to give any recommendations. Let's just put it this way. I watched 10 minutes of the first episode. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was, done. <laughs> I was, was it. done. I was done. I'm like, 10 <laughs> minutes, I can't do anymore. <laughs> then you, she, yes. suggested or said that episode four that they were watching was a good episode. So I turned to episode four. I think I got to 15 minutes. <laughs> then I'm like, okay, I'm going to episode seven, the end, see what happens. And episode seven... Not really to give you a spoiler alert, but it has a lot to do with more of the uh, factual stuff, not the sensationalized lifestyle of the of Joe Exotic right, or Joe Erotic, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> and, um, and so it was more of the factual stuff of what went on, which I found was kind of interesting because it had to deal with court cases and stuff like that. And so I got through most of that episode, and then I went to the internet and I looked up some articles about the the spoiler alerts, or what was sensational in other episodes that I could watch. Mm-hmm. And it talked about the guy mm-hmm. who I guess was misgendered in the show as female.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so they kept calling a her, but it was actually a him.
1: Oh, it is. See, you know, I didn't know yeah. that. I was watching the show and I'm thinking this whole time that it was a girl.
0: Well, it's a transgendered girl she can well she doesn't even consider herself transgender she just considers herself a guy and they've asked her about it in interviews and things like that and she's like well it's just she doesn't really think anything of it so it wasn't a big deal to her but yeah she's a a guy and so he sticks his arm into a cage and it gets bitten off yes or or gets you know savaged uh, by the tiger ravaged and she decides he decides to uh amputate because Mm -hmm. he thought that the tigers, they would come in and take the tigers away, and it caused this big brouhaha because right. the media was overhyping the whole thing due to the <laughs> fact, and this is her his words, because of the fact that um, of who Joe Exotic was, right? And the media right. was overhyping that, that that she felt Peter would come in, or he felt Peter would come in and uh, take away the tigers and stuff like that. So he decided mm-hmm. to just amputate, and he was back at the the zoo. You know, quickly, quickly, yeah, quickly. Anyways, so that's Mm -hmm. the extent I could muster just to get enough to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So before, obviously, most of (laughs) you by now will know what my thoughts are going to be on the show. (laughs) But before I get into mine... What did you think of it? Did you get through the whole thing? I mean, like, did you watch all seven episodes? I
1: did. I watched all seven episodes. We have not watched the, the eighth episode just dropped. And so we haven't had a chance to watch that yet, but it's a train wreck that you just can't look away from. And it's so enticing in so many horrible ways that it's, it just sucks you in. It sucks the, the, the chaos, the dysfunction, like you, I think if somebody set out to script a reality show, this would be too far like people would say that just doesn't even make sense like how could people so they're all felons right and they're all living together on this farm and and or this zoo it was one zoo and now it's another zoo um because joe exotic is um in jail so um it has a different ownership but yeah it's just it's fascinating honestly it's a great people watching show if you like to people watch which i love to people watch it's fascinating to see how they Relate and just step all over themselves, use each other, you know, they exploit each other, they exploit, excuse me, exploit the tigers. And, and I mean, you talk about self-imposed chaos. It's like you have the, the lady, um, Carol, um, Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin. And then you have all the people at the, at the zoo. And then you have the guy down in Florida with the ponytail. Is He in Florida. with? The, I think he's or, in Florida as well. Yeah. So they're in different States. All of them. Actually, he might be up North, but the guy with the blonde ponytail. And so all of them are just hugely dysfunctional. And they're the fact that they're bantering back and forth with each other. And, and, and um, enticing each other and provoking one another and, up in the ante every day, they just up the ante with each other, just up the ante, up the ante, up the ante, and it's like you know, it's crazy.
0: So, you found it easy to watch?
1: No, there were parts of it that I that was very disturbing, but I but I find it fascinating. Like the guy that was doing the reality TV show, he totally got screwed because you probably didn't see this part, it wasn't in the first 10 minutes. But the guy that was that, um, was Doing, he started filming Joe Exotic's web show for the sole purpose so that he could get a reality show. So he wasn't really interested in, in helping. He did, wasn't interested in Joe's web show at all. But he's like, if I film the web show, then I'm going to have footage for a reality TV show. And that's really what I'm after. So it was two TV shows being filmed at the same time. And then um, at one point, there was going to be some incrimination. And, and so Joe like burned down the shed or the place where all of this footage where this guy had filmed and filmed and filmed incriminating evidence against him. um, He just burned it down. So there, and then again, I think in episode seven, the one that you saw, there was another, he burnt some more stuff. So everything is just literally and figuratively going up in flames. And it's fascinating how they all use each other. Like they want the story. They don't really care about each other, but they want the story. They want the fame. They want the notoriety. They want the, they're exploiting each other. And in each party, is just up in the ante, and it just the story just keeps getting bigger and more wild and crazy. And
0: see, I, th- I looked at it from the standpoint of a first, I thought it was sad mm-hmm. because what I really like to talk about is is uh, the life we lead mm-hmm. or the one life we can live. And to me, that was just a lot of wasted life. Yeah. And then two, yeah, the fact that why would anybody? Okay, I can understand maybe the the guy wanting a reality TV. And so he has to put up with all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But like, for example, the campaign manager. Mm -hmm. Why did he stick around for a year and a half? At no point. I know he wanted to be a political science. He's a political science major. and And that was his thing he wanted to do. But are you kidding me? Do you really think that anybody is going to give you a shot at being a campaign manager once you campaign managed for uh, right. Joe Exotic?
1: And the funny, the ironic thing about that is that in the beginning of that clip, when he was very first introduced, one of the first things that he said was, it was the worst year and a half of my life. But then later in the episodes, he's like practically crying that it's all over.
0: Yeah, I, I don't uh, see, I was
1: like, wait a second.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could not put up with that. I would, I would, first off, if I walked onto the zoo... And was going to be a campaign manager or anything. And I'd get five minutes or like I said, 10 minutes with the show. I'd walk. I could not put up with a year and a half of that. Right. I mean, that's just a waste of time.
1: But that's, I think that's part of the fascination because they're all using each other and exploiting each other. He needed what he thought was street cred to be a campaign manager. And so that's why he stayed, even though it was craziness. Right, and so the reality TV guy, he's like, "Oh my gosh, you can't script this stuff! Like this is a gold mine." So he was after the profit of these people's, you know, train wreck, and so they all wanted something from each other that they couldn't get otherwise unless they use and exploited each other. But then their hatred of being used and exploited and being taken advantage of. So the very thing that that they hate they're encouraging because it's making them money and bringing them notoriety so it's like rats eating rat like eating themselves up that's the fascinating part is like they're all destroying each other so that they can each have notoriety and
0: okay so and as a woman what did you think about the fact that that jeff guy who mm-hmm. came in later Ugh. had his wife oh and i don't know if this was. She yeah. was in
1: all the episodes. She, yeah. she was there from the beginning. Okay.
0: So they, I don't know if this is in the bonus episode, because I saw the bonus episode, mm-hmm. but she gets pregnant mm-hmm. and they're talking about having a nanny. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, if she's going to have a nanny, <laughs> I'm going to pick the nanny. And so he picks his really hot nanny. Right. Okay. So obviously, he has no interest in the nanny from any ex- any other standpoint than a sexual standpoint. Right. And so. And
1: the wife is like putting up with it. Yeah, and she's like, okay with it. Seemingly, at this point, she's putting up with it. That's why it's just such a train wreck. It's just like one bad decision after another, after another. And they're all just waiting to be caught or until it's over. Like they just can't go any further. It's just, that's, that's the part to me. I think that's fascinating that human beings would destroy themselves and be involved in so much self-imposed chaos.
0: And that's the thing. It's like getting back to kind of a, a uh, a broader picture moving away from the show, not that we have to move away from the show, but just in life, you know, we have one life to live and we're going through a crisis right now where a lot of people are struggling either with the lockdown or they're struggling with the illness or they're struggling with knowing somebody that was sick and maybe didn't survive it. Mm -hmm. And so we have one life to live. And so what are we going to do with that life? Mm -hmm. And I look at these people and I'm like, this is the life that you choose for yourself. Now, granted a couple of them, the. The polygamists, you know, his husbands, whatever, Joe Exotic's husbands (laughs) or whatever. Obviously, they, I I think, had a drug addiction. And so they had access to drugs that Joe would give them to keep them around and toys and stuff. But it's like, are you really going to value yourself to the point where you will lower yourself to live in this existence with the one life that you have? Mm-hmm. and and you're sitting there and i guess you know one of them was a math addict cuz he had no teeth mm-hmm. and he mentioned that it was you know math mouth and it's like and the other guy you know he's sitting there um, i forget the guy's name but the guy with no legs who everyone thinks the he tigers ate his legs he seems
1: to be the well, most that's what I'm normal he's, of yeah, all of them he seemed
0: normal but yeah, he's sticking around and that's his life. And now in the after show, they talked to him a little bit and you know, all of them were like, we're there for the cats. We're there for the cats. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I understand mm-hmm. that you're there for a passion. Cause we always talk about, take your passion and make it happen. But are you going to take it in that environment? Mm-hmm. It's like, again, you're wasting it. Mm-hmm. You know, why didn't that guy had the most sense? Why didn't he just leave?
1: Right. Or why didn't he fight for the dysfunction that he saw happening? Why didn't he work to, not destroy the the farm, but why didn't he? If he saw, rather than saying, "Okay, I'm going to go into this dysfunction and and take care of the tigers," why not on a bigger scale say, "This is just madness. These tigers are being abused, and I'm going to work, you know, on a bigger scale to help shut this opera this whole thing down on a bigger scale." Because I guess if you, you know, towards the last episode, um, Joe Exotic is giving Peta a lot of information about the trading, the illegal trading and, and all the stuff that's going on, the terrible things that are going on with these tigers. Why not fight for it from that standpoint? But he gets into the swamp, into the, into the mud. And just sits with these, (laughs) with this nonsense, you know, to save those, the tigers that are right there on that particular zoo. It doesn't make any sense.
0: I don't know. All I got out of it was polygamy, (laughs) rampant drug abuse. Yeah. Animal abuse. Yeah. And a bunch of crazy people that were wasting their lives for a year yeah. and a half, and maybe even more, depending on who they are, because I mm-hmm. think that Jeff guy is just, uh,
1: oh, he's, you know, yeah, he's and- a complete user. And you know who the other thing is? Carol Baskin. She keeps saying, oh, you know, the tigers, you know, shouldn't be in cages, but her tigers are in cages. And tigers, you know, need to be free and they need to roam, but her tigers are not free and they're not, ro- like, she's also using people and exploiting people for, for her own gain. It's just nuts.
0: And apparently her tigers are well-fed. Yeah. Because the rumor is that she...
1: Fed her husband yeah, to the tigers. Yeah, ex-husband
0: to it. It's just nutty. It's,
1: it's, the whole thing is nuts. Like, you can't even... I just shake my head. It just keeps getting more and more um, weird, and I, I...
0: So now my question is this. Do you think the show would have taken off if everybody wasn't locked down? Because everybody's looking for... Two Two things. One, everybody's looking for something to do. So somebody comes across a show Mm -hmm. and then they start putting it out there. Mm -hmm. And then two, everybody's need to fit in so that they can be in the know with what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. So they got to go watch it. So regardless of the fact whether they like it or not, see, for me personally, I don't have to be in the know and watch all the episodes so that I can say I watched it and I can talk about it with you. Mm -hmm. I just watched enough of it so that we can have this conversation for Mm -hmm. the podcast. Otherwise, I would never watched it. And so, but other people have to watch it because they have to be in the know with everybody else and mm-hmm. feel like they can be at the water cooler and talk about it with everybody else. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be involved in that conversation because I just don't need have that need to be in the know and be like with everybody else talking about it. So I think the fact that one, everybody needs to be in the know together. I want to be like them, so I'm going to watch it. And then two, because we're on lockdown, people are looking for something to watch. They're like, okay, I'll just watch it. I think that's Mm -hmm. the perfect storm that has exploded this show because I don't really see why people are so excited about it.
1: Yeah, when I first started hearing about it, I said, I was listening to people describe it. And I said, ooh, that just sounds weird. Like, no, I don't want to watch that. Like, Murder for Hire and polygamy and, and all this kind of, you know horrible um things you know the exploitation of the tigers and the abuse and i don't want to watch that but like you said everybody was talking about it and i was like what is everybody talking about like what is happening so then when i started watching i immediately was sucked sucked in in. i was totally because i'm a people watcher and i'm fascinated with how people i don't like reality shows per se there's only a few that i watch but I am um, fascinated how people make decisions and how they lead their lives and how they choose to go about their business and, and, and how they, you know, like he's embezzling funds and then he burns all the records and like, that just fascinates me how people behave towards each other and so for that in that respect I was totally sucked in and honestly it was something so out there that we were every night you're we like okay let's watch the Tiger King like seven nights in a row we sat <laughs> you're shaking your head at me I was like every we were excited like okay it's time for the Tiger King it's like this drama like this out there drama that's so different than the coronavirus and so far-fetched and so stupid and weird and crazy and fascinating and appealing you know. Apparently
0: with age does not come wisdom. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, so now, people...
1: How much older am I than you, by the way? Or you don't want to say?
0: Not much. So people, what would you say to for people that... Okay, so I guess the... Because I, I think the... I don't care what people do. The place should be shut down because it's just animal cruelty right there. I'm surprised that the people aren't up in arms about Mm -hmm. everything that went on. Mm -hmm. Now, apparently the zoo, that Jeff guy still wants to keep the zoo open, but Mm -hmm. apparently it's on fumes. No one's really going, especially Mm -hmm. because of the lockdown. Mm -hmm. But if people go and support that and they go back to the zoo, Mm -hmm. and I know people have issues with zoos in general, Mm -hmm. but I think for the most part, zoos in general and those type of places are important because we're starting to see animals on the verge of extinction come back. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying in this case... But we're starting to see places like zoos and other wildlife, natural habitat type places. We're starting to see animals on the, ex, on the verge of extinction come back. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see you know, people do things to animals that are uh, helping them with, their, with health mm-hmm. and you know, things like that. They'll, they'll capture them from the wild because they're injured, rehabilitate them, send them out. So I think there's a lot of good that, that, that does go with that. Although I did mm-hmm. have a hard time growing up in L.A. wondering why we had a polar bear at the L.A. Zoo. Uh, <laughs> that just didn't make sense to yeah. me. But, but people the- that go to this thing.
1: Yeah, it's different.
0: Do you think that? you think that um, it's wrong for people to go support this particular well, zoo now after everything that you've the seen? The
1: reason why that this people are are were supporting it is because they have interaction with these tigers. So they took the baby t- as soon as the tiger was born, these little cubs, they took them away from their mother and raised them apart from the mother so that the people could come and have pictures taken and could play with the baby tiger. It's like a little kitten. And and they're only good up for, I guess, until about six months, and then you can't do that anymore. I guess six months is pushing it. But up until at least four months, maybe five months, people would come in, and they literally, we could have it like sitting right here on the table, and it would play just like a kitten. We could have our picture taken. That was the appeal and the fascination. And so they were showing and I don't remember which episode it was, but they were showing all these people with pictures of them interacting and holding and petting these tigers. That's what people were after. So again, it's that selfish, um, need. So, so we are using them like they're not treating these tigers well, but we're accepting it so that we can have a picture with the tiger so it's that that's the whole fascination It's like we it's like it's such a train wreck all the way around because we know that it's wrong we know that they shouldn't be in cages we know that there's there's more they said that the um between these three um parties these three zoos there's more tigers um between the three of them in captivity than there are in the wild and um that's you know that's alarming and we can say that like oh my gosh that's horrible but oh let me have my picture taken let me and even the news reporters, they would come and talk to the zoo and they were like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. And they'd be playing with it. And because where else can you play with the baby tiger? So we are allowing it so that we can interact with the tiger, have a picture with it and put it on our social media. That's the, that's where we come right. in and, and we're aiding and abetting. Yeah, I get it. It's we're talking out of, it's, yeah, we're talking out, out of both sides hypocrisy. of, it is, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth, but that when you see. Like, I don't remember which episode that's in. It's in one of the episodes where they have this whole conversation about, yeah, it's wrong, but people just can't get enough of it. And they just come because they can touch and hold a baby tiger. So would you um, go
0: take your picture and hold the baby tiger? You know you would.
1: Probably. <laughs> you know you would. There's a place here in uh, Acton where you can interact with animals. They had There's like yeah. a legit... Uh, zoo out there somewhere in Acton. I don't remember um, the types of animals that are there, but yeah, you can go and interact and take pictures. I'm like, I think monkeys, they have some monkeys. and. Um.
0: See, I'm okay with monkeys because they're more human esque. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a, it might be in the bonus episode, but there was a scene where these two chimps, or maybe they were, I think they were chimps, they were in cages next to each other for mm-hmm. 10 years mm-hmm. and they. Got hauled off to a, uh, a gorilla farm, mm-hmm. like a, a wildlife preserve, like yeah. a gorilla wildlife preserve. And they started hugging each other.
1: I know. They, they put them in the same yeah. cage and, and then they immediately started and hugging. And so, yeah. So
0: that, that type of cute. thing is just sad because here you have, well, the whole thing is sad, to be honest. But with this particular thing, because the, you know, gorillas, the apes, you know, the monkeys, they're more humanistic uh, than
1: mm-hmm. a lot of
0: animals. And they need that interaction, and here they didn't have that interaction for ten years. And again, again, it just blows my mind that people will sit there and watch something, and yet they'll cry foul in other areas. Mm-hmm. But here, it's totally acceptable, mm-hmm. right? And because just, we
1: can participate, yeah, and it's right? just it's
0: just sad because and, and I I have a hard time going to the zoo. I love going to the zoo. Because I love sitting and watching the chimps. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hilarious. Like, the chimps will, like, throw things at you, Mm -hmm. you know, until until the L.A. Zoo built their new uh, exhibit. And, yeah, I might be supporting that whole thing, too, by going and watching them. But I also find it fascinating because the creation that they are, like an elephant should not be at a zoo. I'm sorry.
1: Right. But we go and and see – like, we go to the zoo because where else are we going to be up close right. and personal with all of these animals? Right. So even the zoo it's the same thing. We're being very hypocritical. Oh, they shouldn't be in cages. But we keep buying tickets and going right. and visiting.
0: But I think the difference is, with the zoos, for example, there's still good going on. Like, they're still doing research. They're still helping the animals. They're still, there's still some sort of good coming out we of it. We hope, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what they say, so that's what I will go by. I don't know any... Uh, zoology society that is going to sit there and
1: because SeaWorld said that they were doing research and SeaWorld said that they were, they
0: well, were yeah, there was a lot doing good
1: and there was a lot of abuse yeah. going on in there. So, be
0: some checks, but this is outright, just outright abuse for the sake of profit and for right. the sake of, you know, like I right. said, Joe wanting to be mm-hmm. a, a, um, superstar, mm-hmm. which I guess he is now, and he can't enjoy that because he's behind bars for the next 22 years. He's in a
1: cage. He keeps yes. saying from the, on the phone calls, I'm in a cage. Yes. This is awful. No one should be in a cage.
0: <laughs> but, but that's the other thing that I find fascinating is that, again, you get back to you have your one life that you're going to live. And what are you going to do with that life, especially the people on the show that had the sense, at least they seem like to have the sense, to get out of there and go do something better with their life?
1: I, yeah, I don't know that they think that they can sometimes that's the fascinating part is that if we believe somebody said to me one time when they were getting married, like I knew I shouldn't have married this person, but if I, my thought process was that if I didn't marry them, then who else would marry me and I would be alone. Somebody said that to me. And so I think it's that when we're so deep down in our, like a low self worth, it's like, well, what else am I going to do? Like when I went to the strip clubs, um, When we used to visit them on a regular. She did not
0: perform. (laughs) Let's just get that straight. No,
1: I'm kidding. Um, So when I I went to the strip clubs, there was, there were several girls and one of the bartender, female bartenders in particular, it's like, there's so much um, like, well, what else are we going to do? You know, what am I going to put on my resume that I worked, I was a bartender in a strip club for 10 years. Um, You know, I have a degree or I have this, but who's going to hire me? I can't put any of this on my resume. And so the thought, the thinking is, is that I'm, there's nowhere for me to go. So it could be they're felons at the, at the zoo and they have have been in a lot of trouble. So it could be the thought process that, um, this is the only type of,
0: I get that, but look at what happened though. Okay. So they're felons and especially the guy that apparently was like hired to do the killing. I forget the guy's name. Oh yeah. Yeah. The guy. Um, Um, and so, but, but it was like, okay, if you got out, you served your time, you get out the the thought to me would be okay i'm going to put myself in an environment where i'm not going to get sucked back into something because i have a record mm-hmm. okay and then the second time around if something happens because apparently there still could be some some charges and some arrests and some things that come down from this still mm-hmm. the investigation's not over because this apparently just you know joe exotic just got sentenced in january of 2020 mm-hmm. so it's only been a couple months mm-hmm. and so there's still more to come supposedly so why would you put yourself in an environment that could put you back in prison or put you back susceptible to a crime or put you even in association with people that could affect you. you would think that you'd want to put yourself in any other environment, Mm -hmm. but yet go back to what, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. going back to the streets, gang members. There was a guy, um, I don't know if you remember when the Rodney King riots broke out, there was the, um, I believe it was the Reginald Denny who was, the brick was thrown out the truck driver. I believe it was one of his attackers, uh, Tukey Williams or Touchdown Williams, something like that. He was one of the guys that that attacked the the driver. So he went to jail, went to prison for that. Well, then in prison, he had a coming to Jesus moment where he wanted to re, uh, redeem himself. And when he got out, he wanted to do great things and help the next mm. generation of inner city. So he gets out, goes back to the inner city, ends up back in prison for life or murder.
1: Oh, no way. Yeah. I didn't know that. So
0: he ended up wow. going back to his environment and that environment then put him back in prison because he was surrounded by he went back to the
1: environment with the intent to do something good well
0: i don't know he just ended up back in that environment and then and maybe in prison his thoughts were i'm going to try to do good mm -hmm. but regardless whatever his intentions were he went back to an environment where he wasn't prepared and ready for and he ended up getting involved Mm -hmm. in some things and putting himself back in prison for life now
1: yeah i think part of that i yeah it doesn't make sense from where we are sitting but i'm trying to put myself in a in a position of what you know looking at their life where they come from they may not have that thought process that that thought process may not have been instilled in them or maybe they've tried some things and failed and just thought this is all that there is in life or maybe they don't have the resources you know people around them to help them you know to make to choose a different path and sometimes it's our intent like we base ourselves on our intentions like oh I'm gonna be strong this time, I'm going to go back. And, you know, once I get out of jail, once I get out of rehab, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be strong. I'm not going to do that anymore. But like you said, when we put ourselves back in that same, you know, environment, of course, the pull is there again. And then if we haven't worked to change our thought processes, we're just going to get sucked, you know, right back into it. So we can say, you know, we can have our intentions say, oh yeah, I'm going to go back and help. I'm going to do good. But there's nothing really to support that intention. I mean, you have to be purposely do some things in order to overcome that environment. And I think people don't realize that or maybe they feel like they're not going to be accepted if they go anywhere else or this is all they know. It's dysfunctional, but it's comfortable. I know how the game works.
0: Yeah, it's it's sad. I guess I can't relate to that because I've been in environments, whether it be personal, family, family, whether it be work environments and I've gotten out of it because it's just the lunacy just doesn't make sense. Like you Mm -hmm. can't reason with the unreasonable. You Mm -hmm. can't make sense of the unsensible. You can't, you know, let someone see your point of view when they can't rationalize. You can't Mm -hmm. rationalize with the irrational. Mm -hmm. And so for example, uh, there was this gal who I knew, she was a few years younger than me. And her mom had a best friend who was a heroin addict and she was having a hard time getting off of heroin. So she decided that she would take heroin and that she would get addicted, I guess, and then get off of it to prove to her friend mm. that you can get off heroin. Oh, my gosh. Well, it didn't turn out well because yeah. she ended up ODing on heroin. And then her daughter, uh, who turned out to be really good now, she's got a family and she's got a business and she's you know out of the state and she moved away and she got into a good environment. And fortunately, from my understanding... Uh, her grandparents pulled her out because she grew up in L.A. and she started to get involved in some things that she shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And her parents, her grandparents eventually pulled her out and they went someplace else. And so they took her out of the environment that was a negative environment. So she Mm -hmm. actually had somebody looking out for her. But I remember times chasing her down. She'd run away from her grandparents and I'd go look for her Mm -hmm. Um, and help the grandfather try to find her and have to talk her out of these situations. But it was all stemmed from the fact that her mom decided Mm -hmm. to get hooked on heroin to show her friend Mm -hmm. that she can get off of it and then odine and i'm thinking to myself okay i get the the purpose behind it Mm -hmm. but the way of going about it was completely wrong right and now years later i actually you know the the gal came out a couple years ago and i went and saw her and her family and her kids and um and we went over to her to this lady's house that she kept calling her aunt Mm -hmm. and so it finally clicked that's the gal who was the friend that was on heroin. Wow. So we went to the mall because, you know, they want to go to the mall. And so I asked the gal, I'm like, Hey, so is that your mom's friend? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, that's the the one that was hooked on heroin. Mm. And she's aunt, whoever, Mm -hmm. because she had to, she felt the need to kind of, you know, take on the girl, but she finally cleaned up and, got her life but now even just her struggling with the fact that her friend she lost her best friend because of heroin because of her addiction and her need to super sweet lady I mean this is the only time I met her super sweet but even like you said putting yourself in someone else's shoes you know I'm trying to sit there and think about what she could even be going through all these years later Mm -hmm. you know because Mm -hmm. we've all lost someone except for you Um, you know (laughs) we've talked about it death and and loss of life and loss of relationships and episodes past but you know people have lost somebody you always kind of put yourself in a situation Is there something I could have done differently that maybe helped whether it'd still be here today type of thing? Mm -hmm. And with this gal, you know, her heroin addiction caused the death pretty much, not really, but you know, in her mind caused Mm -hmm. the death of her friend. And so her life that she's now living, she learned from the past. And like I said, you know, it was a great experience being with them. And, um, but that's why I see these people and it's like, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're in an environment where maybe you're felon. And so the zoo's the only place you can work. But it's like I don't understand the mindset that I can't I can't do better. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that because you can. There's always mm-hmm. a place where you can do better, even if you don't think you can. Mm-hmm. There is a place where you can do better, and I don't understand that mindset of I can't yeah. do better, therefore I'm just going to do this. So
1: what if, what if a person grew up with nobody believing in them? What if they grew up in a family where it was just um, dysfunctional and they didn't get you know, love or respect, or they were just kind of, you know, tossed around, like it has to come from outside of ourselves at some point, right? We, we have this innate ability. We talked the other day to be resilient, but we still have to choose it. And I'm working on a a post. I haven't done it yet because I keep getting distracted with um, my birthday, (laughs) but I'm working on a post about resilience. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff underneath that has to be in place. There has to be tenacity. There has to be a worldview. There has to be purpose and vision. There has to be something that pulls you through it. There has to be community. If people don't have that, if they've never been exposed to any type of education or any type of learning that that there is a purpose or you can have a vision, you can have a world, if, then they're just going to be in survival mode yeah. in, their, in their life. And that's that's where, and if you don't have an outside person or a group of people investing in you and saying no no no. there's a different way like you can have hope and you can change your life and you can make things better if there's nobody investing in you and it's and instead people are taking advantage of you exploiting you then you're going to be stuck in survival mode
0: yeah i get that
1: and that's kind of where i kind of see these people is that they're they're surviving in the best way that they know how and i i don't think that, that mindset like someone has to if they don't have anybody there encouraging them then their self-worth right. has got to be in the tank and so why would they think that they can rise above it if they hadn't seen anything or maybe they don't believe it like maybe they don't believe that they're worth it
0: okay you mentioned earlier that you would go into these clubs adult entertainment clubs and you would talk with the different gals there mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. i'm sure if you asked each and every one of them for the most part a majority of them would say there'd be some sort of abuse in their background mm-hmm. there'd be some sort of uh neglect Mm -hmm. there'd be some sort of negative influence in their life that Mm -hmm. ultimately led them to be in the clubs Mm -hmm. because that's where they found satisfaction that's where they found the attention that's where they found money maybe that's where they had uh fame friendships whatever because Mm -hmm. i would imagine guys would come back and see them and so forth uh in the adult film business probably a lot of the same things you know there was a a time where i read a few biographies from uh, people that were producing um uh, autobiographies that had come out of the adult world, uh, adult film stars, strippers, things like that. And all of them, the the common thread was abuse Mm -hmm. as, as children, there was abuse or they'd get in bad relationships, you know, things like that. And so, um, so yeah, so that type of situation is hard. However, they still found a way to get out of that. Um, and so I understand the, the, the nature versus nurture part and that if that's all they have and that's all they know, yes, it's going to be harder for them. But yet they're still surrounded by people that are doing things. Okay. So, for example, in the show, you have the, the visitors that are coming to visit. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that people aren't looking at the visitors coming to the zoo and being like, I wonder where they're going. Because you, you talk about people watching. Mm-hmm. I wonder what they're going. I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what life is like. They're not here. They can leave this dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have this dysfunction of their own, but maybe there's something better out there. Just mm-hmm. by the people coming and visiting, mm-hmm. they're being exposed to something completely different than what they're used to. Other people. And the thought of, I wonder what their life is like. I wonder if I could go talk to them. I wonder if I could just ask them something. Because I'm sure they interact with these park you know zoo visitors mm-hmm. um so in the, in the show for example i think there'd be plenty of opportunities for them to be like okay what is this person what are these people doing they're coming from other places here there's got to be another life out there
1: i think um i think I'm, I'm i'm gonna take us back because we talked about this several episodes ago and um i'm gonna say something again sometimes when our shame is so deep um, we just can't see the forest for the trees and shame is like, like, it's not guilt is like I did something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong. Right. So I've dealt with shame. Um, the majority of my life, most of my years of life, I have dealt with shame. I'm I'm better now. Um, I'm not completely rid of it. We, I don't think any of us are ever going to be rid of it until we're on the other side, but on the scale of, you know, I'm way further ahead than what I used to be. But when I was in that mindset, when I was deep, deep, deep in my shame, um, and I didn't go around saying out loud, oh, I'm so full of shame, I'm, you know, I'm not good enough, but it comes out in our behaviors, the way that we relate to other people, the way that we either move or don't move through life. And I was stuck. I didn't move forward. And I thought that nobody wanted to be friends with me. I would um, take the kids to like soccer that like the six week soccer thing or swim lessons or, you know, whatever. And I would purposely not involve myself or interact too much with the other moms because I'm thinking, okay, well, we're going to chit chat for six weeks and then they're going to be gone. They're going to leave me because I had severe, you know, rejection issues, abandonment, you know, low self-esteem. And so you walk, we walk around with this mindset um, that we're just not, you know, good enough. No. And I couldn't move forward in my passions. I couldn't move forward in my dreams. I'm like, oh, that's never going to happen. So you now, if you look at me, if you're watching us on YouTube, you're going to say, okay, that, you know, how could, how could, I was always well put together. I was always had my hair and my makeup was always done. And so I had this false persona. People thought that I was all put together. They had, they, you know, I was fine, you know, successful just basing, you know, on how I looked, but I was a mess on the inside. And so where does this come from? It comes from messages that I was given when I was growing up so on one hand we were involved in the church we went we were at church six different times a week right so I was hearing and it but it wasn't a um it was more of like of like a I guess fundamental like I know that's going to take us down a whole nother tip um train of thought so I'll just leave it there but um But then the messages that I was receiving, you know, growing up, um, some of the messages were, you know, don't try out for that. You're not going to make it. Don't apply to that college because you're not going to get in. And if you do, you'll fail out the first semester because you don't know how to study. Um, You don't, you can't go into marine biology because you're horrible at biology and math. So now were these people mean? No. Did they, were they trying to hurt me? No. No. But did it destroy my soul? Yes, in a lot of ways it did. So I grew up with the, and plus a whole bunch of other things that happened, you know, through the divorce and through all kinds of other stuff. Now I want to say that these, you know, my parents are lovely people. I love them dearly. They're good, good people. But they also came, it's a legacy. This negative talk is a legacy that had been handed down. And so it, for many, many years, like I can put on, you know, I can do my hair and my makeup. I can put on nice clothes and I can look like I can go out in the world and get something accomplished right on the outside. But I didn't believe it on the inside. And so that's why it's taken me until today's my 53rd birthday, until today, until this season for me to move forward and to not feel like um, that I'm an imposter, like I shouldn't really be here. And we even had a conversation off the air. Somebody said something to me yesterday, last night, that took me right back. And I was so hurt and so devastated. I'm like, and then you had to give me like this pep talk, you know, for an hour before we even started recording, because I'm like, okay, it's hitting that button again, then I'm not good enough, that I'm not going to accomplish anything. Is that true? No. But when we have that belief, when we have that thought process that we are defective in some way, it is, so, we, it, we cannot, it takes an outside, per- like you had to talk me off the ledge this morning, right? I was having a hard time doing that myself. I was doing it, but it would have taken me a lot longer to get there had you not been like, ah, you know, you're just I'm like, okay, 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 good. I feel better. You're right, you're right, right. I, it would have taken me a lot longer to do that by myself. So when we have this, this thought process that we're not good enough. It causes us to sit down and to not do life. We don't move forward because we don't feel like we deserve it. We don't feel like we belong. We don't feel like we're good enough and then other people say things that that reinforce that like the comment last night. I'm like, "Oh crap, here we go again." It, this those things they get inside of us and then it shuts us down emotionally and we just cannot move forward. So so when you say, "I don't understand," like when I was deep in my shame, I wasn't doing anything except for playing the victim and trying to prove that I was good by talking too loud, by talking too much, by, you know, telling stories about myself in order to prove that I was good enough. You know, the things that we put out on social media, it's like, yeah, 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 I'm okay. See, and trying to prove it all the time. I was behaving in a way that was incredibly insecure. And there was no, you. if you would have said, oh, you could do, you know, whatever, whatever it is in life, you could be successful. I'm like, no, I, deep down, I would, I might've said yes with my mouth, but my hard drive, my internal hard drive sabotaged me every single time. And that's why it's taken me all the way to 53. Now I'm finally sitting here doing a podcast, right? Now I did write a couple of books along the way, late, 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 but to do any, like, does that make sense? Like we can't, there's like this mechanism inside of us that, that it's put it's like our internal hard drive, it's put in there. And that's what we believe. And so that's how we behave and move forward. So if we're believing that, we're not going we may look at other people and say, yeah, I wish I was successful like them, but that's not for me. So we don't go after it. We just stay where we are because that's where we belong. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's not healthy, but that's the mindset that I had is like, I don't belong there, so I'm not even gonna try. Oh see, I didn't I, I failed. See? There you go. I'm not good enough to do it. It's that self fulfilling prophecy, that loop that we get into that is so destructive.
0: See, I find that interesting because I think I'm the opposite. I was telling you this in a conversation before. When I first got into radio, my first job was in Iowa. And there was a guy there that everybody thought was like the best guy. And so initially the thought is, okay, well, he's pretty good. Everyone likes him. Then um, that's just how it's going to be. But then the more I listen to just different people, I'm like, I could be that good, if not better. And so I'm going to set myself out to be better. Mm-hmm. And I went about becoming better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, it's subjective because it's, you know, it's like art. Oh, it's in the eye of the beholder. So was I better than him on the radio? Uh, that's irrelevant. But my my thought process was I'm going to set myself out to be better. Mm-hmm. I go to Nebraska. And Nebraska had a couple of radio stations where I was at in Western Nebraska. And again, there was a morning show guy and everyone thought he was like the bee's knees. Do we even say that anymore? No, no I don't know. <laughs> you're that's, so old. But that's what it was. That's, that's what it was when I got there. That's when I kind of first understood that term. And so I'm like, okay, this guy's so hot stuff. That's great. And then I'm just, that's how it is. But then the more I'd sit there and listen to him, I'd be like, I can be better than him. Mm-hmm. And so I set my mind, my mindset was I'm going to go out and be better than him. And I, worked on my craft and improved and, mm-hmm. and even with other people in town, you know, people start talking about this sports guy on this radio station. He's so good. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be better than him. Mm-hmm. And eventually people are going to talk about me mm-hmm. as being really good. Mm-hmm. And so that was my mindset. And again, if it happened or not, it was irrelevant by the way, it did happen. But, <laughs> um, but the point was I, my mindset was changed. It was, I was, I was able to sit there and realize that, you know what, just because people say this is good. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I can't be better than that. So I'm going to set myself up to do better. So um,
1: what were the messages that your your family gave you growing up? Were they like, go out and do it? You can do this. Was it like indifferent? Was it positive, negative, well, see, whatever? Okay,
0: I my, see. it's it's interesting you say that because I went to uh, private school and it was, I don't want to say dictatorial, but you did what everybody told you to do. Mm-hmm. And so there was no free of thought. Mm-hmm. And so- The freedom of thought for me came in high school when I went to, again, more of a private school, but it was, I don't want to say liberal, but it was less uh, constrictive Mm -hmm. in movement behavior. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do with myself with all this freedom. And so I'm like, wow, I, I, I walked to class. I have a locker. I, I, I don't need to raise my hand uh, all the time. I don't need to ask permission for this, that, whatever. You know, I had lots of freedom. And so it was through the high school process that I started to have this kind of freedom of thought of like, okay, I'm playing sports. Okay. Um, I'm being encouraged. So, to get mm-hmm. back to your question, I'm being encouraged to do things. I'm being encouraged to try out for things. The realistic idealism of, okay, you may not be the best. Mm hmm but go do it and have fun. Go mm-hmm. kind of like go do it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mentality started to step in. And then when it got to radio, that's where things from the family really started, kind of got interesting mm-hmm. because nobody had really done it before mm-hmm. and it wasn't secure. It's not your nine to five job. You don't work there 20 years and get a retirement and a cheap gold watch and the whole 401k package. It was a lot of uncertainty. And even as I look back on it, yeah, that's how life pretty much went is what they thought it would be. But then once I got my first job, okay, so my mom was like, you should really get a degree. I had no interest in a college degree. Mm-hmm. But because there was really nothing brewing in radio, I'm like, okay, my mom wants me to get a degree, so I'll go to college and get a degree. Mm -hmm. So I open up the book. I'm like, which program has the least amount of units? I'm going to graduate with that degree. Mm -hmm. Then um, I got my job in radio, and then once they started to see that I could actually do something in radio, and I was actually pretty decent at it to start because I'd worked to do that, then they were more acceptive of the fact that, okay, yeah, he – He knows because it's, again, their concern was for my well-being. They didn't want me to fail in something Mm -hmm. um, because it was the unknown. No one in my family had ever done anything like this. And so then um, I started to get better and better. And then they started to realize, oh, yeah, he can can do it. But it was always encouragement. It was always try it. But there was always some sense of, like, we don't want you to just go fall flat. So we want to kind of give you the realistic of what could happen. Mm -hmm. Get a degree so you have something to fall back on, which, you know, I'm glad I did because it opened up a lot of doors. Education opens opens up a lot of doors that you might not know. So I always encourage education, even if you don't think it's needed. Um, and then um, and then from there, it just kind of went. And I started to, once I moved to Iowa, then I really was like, okay, I'm on my own. There's nobody here to tell me nothing. I got to figure life out on my own. And that's when I started to really establish a lot of life's philosophies and things like that and realize that no matter what anybody's doing out there, no matter what anybody's saying to me, I can kind of choose my... Do I want to listen to them mm-hmm. or do I want to do my own thing? Mm-hmm. And that's where we were, we were talking about earlier. We are talking about the mask, wearing the, wearing the masks out. I'm more of a free thinker and more logic, more reason. And I started to develop that and question what people would say because when I was growing up, we just did whatever the teacher said because that was the rules. Even though they were right or wrong, mm-hmm. it didn't matter. The teacher was always correct. Mm-hmm. Well, there were some things where the teacher was incorrect, but we couldn't question it. Right. But now that I'm older, I start questioning things, you know, not, not too crazy. You know, I didn't go rebellious, but you start to process things differently. Mm-hmm. And that's where, okay, this person's the, the best guy on the radio. We'll see about that. <laughs> this person's the best guy in town about you know, doing sports. We'll see about that. And I started to readjust myself to get myself to become that best mm-hmm. one. And so that's why for me, it's kind of hard, you know, and I mm-hmm. understand it. And maybe that's just something I can't understand where for you and your background, it was one way. For me, Mm -hmm. I was able to overcome a little bit of, of that, but yet I was able to have the mindset to change.
1: Mm -hmm. I think there's a whole bunch of things in your, in your story that we could pick apart that, um, we don't have time for but I heard, um, private school. I heard, um, people, teachers, um, whether or not they were right or wrong, it was just their way. So, so there has started some authority issues. Um, and then you had the freedom and you were encouraged to do things because you had some talent in some areas. And so you were encouraged to um, play that out, so to speak, you know, on the field and and whatever. Um, And then that momentum kind of took you. So I do see, you know, in you, all of those traits today, I do see the combination of all those alive and well. Um, And so I also look at people who just keep going. And we've talked about this before. You just you're like, okay, next thing. I lost my job. All right, contract didn't get renewed. Next. Like it, you don't, nec- you just don't skip a beat. I don't understand that philosophy. I don't get it because I didn't come from, I have to I have to give myself a pep talk and talk myself off the ledge and do all of these um, meditational things and pray and read my Bible and listen to all kinds of inspirational things so that I don't get sucked back into all of that Um that mindset, because I will stop. I will not move forward. I'll just sit down on the sidewalk. So I don't understand people who can just be like, okay, next I'll just move on. I I don't get it. So like, so, and I think, and I've talked to, I have a friend, well, we're not really friends anymore, but, um, I have a, a previous friend and she used to say the same thing. It's like, well, I just don't understand because she was also kind of supported and encouraged and, um, things were that you know they have a military background and so things were just kind of you know just do this or whatever but she has this strength inside of her this kind of like a um you know way that you just just move on just move on just move on you know because they military family they moved a lot so she just has has a tough she's got a wall around certain things and she just keeps you know just moves on and she's like I just don't understand you know when you say things like that I don't understand what you're talking about when you have all this shame and it stops you and you just can't move forward. That's fine. Like, you don't have to understand it. She doesn't have to understand it. But I know that that is something that is true. I know because I've experienced it. And I'm assuming that other people have experienced it as well. And it's why we stay in relationships, that's why we marry people that we shouldn't because you know, this person said, who else is going to marry me? It's why we stay in jobs that we hate because we're either afraid to go look for something else or it's like, okay, I have a paycheck. I don't want to risk doing something that I really want to do. Cause what if I'm rejected? I don't want to ask this person out. What if they say no? Um, there's all these things that trip us up when we have that deep, you know, shame in us that we don't have the mindset that we can be in that, like, sometimes I'll look at circles of people and I'm like, I don't belong there. They're way above my pay grade. I don't do that as much, but I definitely did that before. Like, oh gosh, they're, I can't hang with these people. Like I'm not good enough. Really? Really? That's just stupid. But, but that's how I felt. So there's just a, there's just a part of us that if we believe, if that is put upon us, that there's just a part of us that believes us that we that we're not equal to our peers. We're not keeping up with our peer group. We're not as good as everybody. else. We haven't accomplished as much. That's why people don't go to reunions. Like my high school reunion is coming up this year. Um, it's probably not going to happen now because of coronavirus. But um, in past reunions, people have said, "Oh, privately, I don't want to go because I haven't accomplished as much as so and so and so and so and so and so. So I'm embarrassed to go, or I've gained too much weight, or it's that shame." That we feel like we're not acceptable the way that we are, and we can't hang, you know, with everybody, and it's so sad. But so now, so I have you now. Right. You're dragging me. I'm, I am. I am literally riding on the great Son Edom's yeah. coattails, and he's pulling me through.
0: <laughs> She's got a fan base of her own. Quick thing about the about the reunion. So the ten year, it was like that. Everyone was like comparing. I'm yeah. this. I'm that. of that. The 20 year, half of us were unemployed because a lot of us worked in the entertainment field. And that was <laughs> uh, about the time that Obama came into office and the whole entertainment field collapsed. Yeah. Uh, we all got laid off. So the 20 year, um, we were all unemployed. And it was funny because someone asked me, Hey, Son, what are you doing? I'm like, Yeah, I got laid off. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And I was thinking about, oh, too bad. I'm like, yeah, I did too. And someone's like, oh, you did too? I did too. I did too. <laughs> Next thing you know, we're all like, hey, we're all laid out. You got a job, dude. You're weird. You got a yeah. job? What's wrong with you? Why and do you have a job? And probably
1: nobody yeah. would have said anything had you right. not been brave enough to say I, I got laid, I got laid off. off. I got laid
0: off. I don't care. That's the reality. Right. Like um, but here's the one thing I do, do learn as we wrap up. Okay. I don't understand the thought process and the mentality, like you said, just like you might not understand mine or your friend might not understand you. I do understand this We can. Even though we don't understand, we can be a positive influence on anybody we come across if we have the understanding that I'm just going to try to motivate, influence positively, have some sort of positive impact on somebody, Mm -hmm. okay, whether it's encouraging them to try to go for their goals, whether it's encouraging them, hey, you can get out of it. It could be something as a simple passing where I maybe say something to the effect of, hey, Whatever you want to do, take your passion and make it happen. <laughs> or it could be something a little bit more involved. You know, I just recently came out of a job where I was a professor at a college and I was helping students with radio. And a lot of them, the first time they sit down at the mic, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Two, by the time they entered the program, dude, they were like Ryan Seacrest, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. that's the thing, getting them. And so whatever we do in life, no matter who we come across, we should always have the mindset, whether we understand them or not, mm-hmm. is A- Treat them with respect and human, Mm -hmm. as a human, and they have value, whether it's a Joe Exotic or whether it's anybody else. They're human. They have value. Mm -hmm. Two, let's be a positive influence on them so that when they remember us, they remember us for something positive we did and not something negative. And three, we may never know the impact we have on somebody, Mm -hmm. like the fruits of our labor. We may never see. We may never understand. But years down the line, someone might have a change of attitude, thought, heart, lifestyle, And it comes back to your interaction with them.
1: Isn't it Maya Angelou that said people will not remember what you say to them, but they will remember how you made them feel.
0: It could be. That's that influence that
1: you're talking about, having that positive influence on people and and having respect for them and and engaging with them and encouraging them because you might be the only person that – because we all need that outside person to pull us along, and you might be that person. And it's not necessarily like, oh, I don't know how to encourage someone with my words – But it's just, it's just your aura. Like if you believe in them and you're there encouraging them and cheering them on, that's what they're going to remember. And that's what they're going to take with them and, and take their passion and make it happen.
0: Charisma is the word of the day. Be that charisma (laughs) influenced on somebody else because that will then get them maybe excited. If not for something immediate, you might be planting seeds that down the road might blossom into something where it's a life changing event for them. You could be the life-changing event that someone needs in their life. And so just be that positive influence because you never know, there might not be anybody else. Something as simple as a, hi, how you doing today? Something as simple as a smile. In this day and age of the coronavirus, I've learned to have a lot more patience. So, hey, why don't you go first? You know, hey, why don't you take the shopping cart? Hey, oh, it's the last roll of toilet paper? Hey, you know, why don't you take it? You know, whatever. Simple stuff, but you never know what that impact might have. Right. To then invest in somebody's lives from day to day. That's why we have AA. Someone is investing in mm-hmm. the life of somebody else. That's why we have counselors, therapists, mm-hmm. things like that. People are investing in the lives of somebody, which at this point is usually they're coming out of something negative. Mm-hmm. So why don't we be the opposite and try to, before that person gets into the negative, be that positive influence on them? Because you never know when you're going to impact somebody, right? And make it a positive impact,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: So take your passion, make it happen. <laughs> Let yourself be great. If you don't think that you can do it, and you need encouragement, we're here. Um, my our Instagram is yes. at Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast. You can uh, DM us, reach and out that to is us through there. T
1: W O Two Steps Ahead Podcast.
0: Yes, T W O Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Uh, my personal Instagram is at Edom Rocks. E I D E M R O C K S. And you can reach out to me there. Uh, if you want to email the show, if you're old school, two steps ahead podcast at gmail, uh, t w o two steps ahead podcast at gmail, and you can send us a, a message there. And your Instagram, my
1: Instagram for my three friends. Thank you so much for my three fans. <laughs> t uh, Tara Hokeshiro, T a r a h o k e s c h i r o, and um.
0: Hey, hit her yes. up with uh, birthday wishes on Instagram. I was Instagram. just going to
1: say, you could wish me happy birthday, but yes. by the time this comes out, it'll be That's okay. you can a still couple of days up. past.
0: Nobody cares. Nobody <laughs> cares what it is. Hit her up. Say hi. Uh, give her birthday wishes. And um, and we like to thank you for listening. We're on all the major platforms, Spotify um soundcloud in fact soundcloud is linked in the bio of my instagram and two steps ahead instagram uh pandora Pandora. google you can just you can just do hey suri hey google hey alexa play two steps ahead podcast two two steps ahead podcast and we pop up and so um, we're everywhere youtube just just search us and you'll find us um two steps ahead podcast highlight the stuff we've stepped in so you don't have to let yourself be great take your passion make it happen Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks guys. Thanks for joining us.